Hello, hello, and welcome to the Unsackable podcast. We're continuing our World Cup group previews. Today, we've reached Group C. We're doing it in alphabetical order, as far as I'm concerned. And I have my partner in crime here for the, the World Cup group previews. As you know, the podcast always has me, Filippo Silva, one of your hosts, Josh from JJDTV, another host, Manuel Faith, another host. But for the World Cup previews, we decided to split. And I'm joined here by Adrian Sosa. Adrian, Group C, we've made it. Two more. We made it. And I feel like we have our first real contender for the World Cup in this group. So I'm excited. But yes, we did divorce temporarily. It's a temporary divorce from Manuel and Josh. But I think that we'll be able to uh, get back together very soon. You know, get the whole family back together very soon during the World it's Cup. It's so we could cover more ground. That's it. You know, divide and conquer. That's what we're here to do. So let's exactly. do that for Group C, man. I'm excited. So this is the... I'm trying to remember what are the other groups me and you have done because, well, we reached Group C. And I guess when you're listening to this, you've heard probably Group A, Group B. And out of the, all the teams in Group A and B, I think we finally reached the group, as you said, with a real title, title contender, Argentina. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Group A. Netherlands could be a dark horse. Senegal. I mean, there is the injury of, of Mane. That definitely doesn't help them one bit. Mm. England, as good as they are, I don't see them as title contenders. We've talked about that. But now Argentina. And first and foremost, is this the best Argentina team you've seen in your short lifetime? Because we're still fairly young. We didn't see Maradona, but would this be the strongest one you've seen? Yeah, I would think so, because if I just compare it to all the other World Cups, like, sure. I mean, Argentina is one of those teams that they always have a pretty big talent pool to pull from. But now we're seeing not only that, a vast talent pool, but a manager that has actually been able to have them play a coherent style of football, very defensively sound, one of the best in international football at the moment. They're on this crazy unbeaten run that I think is at, what is it, 35? 35. Yeah, 35. 35 matches. Um, and it's not just Messi and a bunch of other guys that will let him down anymore, which was sort of what it felt like at the last two iterations of the World Cup. Of course, like I said, always very talented, but not quite at that level. Now it's Messi and a very, very, very good team behind him, isn't it? Yeah, and I think one part of that is Scaloni has been around for the entire Messi era, right? Uh, he was with Messi in 2006 as a player during Messi's first World Cup. And obviously, he was still a player in the other ones, and he was, like, watching at least. And then back in 2018, he was the assistant of Sampaoli. And I think a lot has changed, and he has noticed that he can't rely on Messi, right? Messi needs to be there to add value. It can't be Messi, save us. Especially when you have the talent that this Argentina side has. And he set, the, he set this team up in a very interesting way, trying to get the best out of each player. Unfortunately, we do have the news that Lo Celso is out, right? That's confirmed, isn't it? Lo Celso? Yeah, Lo Celso is out, but a very okay. good replacement for him. Uh, who's replacing him? I believe it's Enzo Fernandez will be in there instead. Um, bit of a different role. Different role as Lo Celso plays more wide, but as far as talent and a body, it's a very good body to have. Yeah, I think Lo the thing with Lo Celso is he really fit the way Scaloni wanted to play. Uh, he was their top assist in World Cup qualifying. He'll be missed. I don't even think Enzo will be replacing him in the starting 11. I do have a feeling it might just be Papu Gomez that will replace him in the starting 11. But that will wait till it starts. That's just us speculating. But the way Scaloni sets up this team is very quite, it's quite interesting, especially for Argentina, right? He plays on a 4-4-2 usually. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes it shifts to a 4-3-3, a 4-2-3-1, uh, but mainly a 4-4-2. And Messi plays up top with Lotaro. And I've been saying this for a while. At times when you're watching it, it almost, I don't think Lotaro is the same level as Luis Suarez. But the way they set up tactically, it's very similar to what we used to see with Messi and Luisito Suarez. Smart yeah. Move. Yeah, move. absolutely. Because Lotaro does have the technical ability. You know, he's the type of striker that is similar in a sense to Luis Suarez. Um, so it's nice to see that finally. And, and that mobility. And mobility. Exactly. And that 4 4 2 that you mentioned has. Not only has it, as we mentioned, their defensive performance has been excellent. In the last 35 matches, which they are unbeaten, as we said, they've conceded just 17 goals, which is crazy. But they've also scored 70 goals. So you're not really giving up anything in the attack either. Well, what about the fact that the past three matches that they faced Brazil, Brazil went scoreless? I mean, that's huge. That's exactly. absolutely massive. And I, that... I, made a, I made a joke, Adrian, on the channel saying, hey, Adrian, pick a team to hold Brazil scoreless for three matches as if your life depends on it. You would say, you'd probably say I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> three games? Three games is a crazy, crazy number. And that's and that's not even counting. Like, I, I kind of wish that we had that other game that got canceled, of course, in qualifying. Yeah, the one that Brazil tried to deport the Argentine player. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come running out on the pitch. Wait, wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, a, that was an, a funny one. I mean, I guess they didn't really need to play it because Argentina locked second place, Brazil first. It didn't really matter. Uh, and then Argentina's placed in this group. And I think there's a couple other teams to talk about here besides Argentina, aren't they? We'll go back to oh, Argentina yeah. later. Can we get right. back later to Argentina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll revisit them. I do have more to say, but what about... Saudi Arabia, right? I, I don't know if we have any Saudis that are listening to this podcast. And I hope I don't offend anyone that maybe has a dual national from the United States that's listening or Canada or even from Saudi Arabia. You never know. They might be listening to us here. You have a big international audience, but I think they're the punching bag of this group. That's the kingdom of Saudi Arabia to you, by the way, officially. Um, but yeah, this is... This is their sixth World Cup, um, and I think that their best ever finish at a World Cup was in 1994 when they made it to the round of 16. Yes. It's going to take a lot to get beyond both Poland and Mexico for them, but they do have a, a notable coach, at least when it comes to AFCON, Hervé Renard, or Hervé Renard, if you just want to say it Hervé with Renard, an English. Yeah. yeah, if you want to say it with an English accent. He's been with, he was with uh, the Ivory Coast in the past. He was with Morocco at the last World Cup. He's a very, very defensive-minded coach. Um, and, you know, there's only been seven goals scored in Saudi Arabia's last nine matches. That's total for either side, just seven goals in nine matches. So... With Saudi Arabia, you can tell what they're going to try and do. They're going to try and be very compact. They're going to try and limit as much as they can and maybe try to get as many points as they can against either a Poland or a Mexico and then just hope for the best against Argentina. Yeah, and I mean, that's all they can do, in my opinion. They're just going to have to defend. And I mean, we've seen them be... The one memory I have of Saudi Arabian World Cups is when Germany beat them up in 2002. <clears throat> I think it was like 7-1, 7-0. I mean, I don't think when I say punching bag, I don't think they're going to be ran over seven goals. I think the sport as a whole has improved so much in many different countries, including Saudi Arabia, that the gap between the elite teams, the best teams and the weaker teams is much smaller than it's ever been. Yeah. Right. 
you do have more good teams nowadays, right? If you go in the past, you go to the 90s or before that, you put a Brazil against uh, or Argentina against a Saudi Arabia, it's going to be 8, 9, 10, right? That's not going to happen. Uh, no, no. Well, I mean, this could age poorly, but I don't think it'll happen. And Saudi Arabia, pretty much every single player in their team, I, w- I would even say their entire roster, plays in Saudi Arabia, okay? So as some may see that as a disadvantage because they don't have players playing at the highest level, there's also advantages to it. The the chemistry of the team, right? They're yeah. going to be... They know each other very well, and like it or not, I know this doesn't seem like a a, a numbers analysis because you know there are other soccer nerds that love stats and 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 you know they think they can quantify everything, but chemistry you can't quantify that. It's something that just happens. The team has it or it doesn't, and it will influence on how the team plays. And they do have that part, and that could be a problem. Along with you said, good coaching, and you know just bunkering, playing a low block, and trying to grind out results. I think. In the right day, Saudi Arabia can pull a draw against Mexico or Poland. I think so. Uh, they did that against the United States in a friendly. Uh, I know friendlies are friendlies. World Cup is a World Cup. It's completely different, but it's entirely possible. Now, they're probably going to lose to Argentina. Uh, yeah. Mo- more than likely. But if Mexico and Poland don't bring their A game, I could easily see them holding a 0-0 draw. Maybe Saudi Arabia gets a lucky goal or gets just gets a normal goal, and then they have a 1-1 draw. Anyhow, I think it's the perfect time to shift to the other two teams of this group, which we we believe they are probably going to finish second. One of them, Poland and yep. Mexico, are going to battle that out. Uh, I don't know. I think we disagreed to this once. I think you thought that Poland was going to go through, right? NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet any $5 NBA pregame Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, total points scored, and more. With bigger payouts than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, make any $5 bet this week, and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of Tactical Yanks, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycon's give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycon's are priced just right, you get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 5-star reviews. Raycon earbuds have three sound profiles so you can have a personalized listening experience, as well as an awareness mode where you can hear the world around you. Whether you're doing the most intense exercise or just sitting around, Raycon earbuds are perfect for you. Go to buyraycon.com tbpn today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com tbpn to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com tbpn. Yeah, and the reason why I think that is just because of Mexico's record right now 
is not very good whenever they face sort of a top opposition. Like, for example, as you know, and as anyone who followed CONCACAF qualifying, every time they faced Canada and the USA, they didn't beat either one of Canada or the USA. They tied us once and they lost against us once each. And so when you look at Mexico against, I have this tweet from We Global Football up here. Uh, so shout out to them on Twitter. Uh, they're winless in their last 10 matches against teams in FIFA's top 30, which is not a good look for them. So it certainly feels like whenever they come up against a decent opposition under Tata Martino, they crumble a little bit. And so that's the only reason why I sort of have Mexico maybe slightly behind Poland in this group. But then again, when you look at Poland and their recent World Cup performances, they've gone out at the group stage at the last three. So it's it's going to be a compelling battle between the two. I don't see how Mexico doesn't pull through here. And we can even go back to the 2014 World Cup, for example. Mexico barely qualified to that World Cup, right, yep. in 2014. Uh, they, they, I, they played New Zealand, I believe, in the inter-Confederate playoffs. So yep. they were very bad. Worse than this one. Worse than this cycle. And they still got out of their group. They were in a tough group, by the way. They are in the same group as Cameroon, Brazil, the host, and Croatia. And they managed to beat Cameroon. They beat Croatia, and they tied Brazil. That's seven points in that group. Yeah. yeah uh, I understand. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, that's the one thing where when we look at Poland and their performance in the group stage, which is bad in the last three World Cups, I think Mexico has gone out of their group in, or sorry, gotten out of their group in the last seven consecutive tournaments. They have. They yeah. have ever since they were um, banned in 1990, right, for using over the age players in youth teams. They've always made out of their group. Uh, regardless of how they've done in in CONCACAF. And the thing with Mexico, they're one of those teams that they're always a very good team, but never a contender. Mm -hmm. They're always just like never easy to beat for any team. And even in the last World Cup, right, uh, they beat Germany, the current champions. They got out of their group again. They lost in round of 16 to Brazil. They always lose to like an elite team. That's usually they lost to Netherlands in the 2014, for example, the one I was referring to earlier. I think Mexico will pull through. And when you look on paper, these two teams, <clears throat> I do think the Mexican team is better than, than Poland. You you got to see it this way. Poland, it's not really about you canceling or, or, or completely nullifying Lewandowski. You don't have to stop Lewandowski. You just have to cut the supply. They can't get the ball to him. There's nothing you can do about it. And I do think Poland does lack a lot of talent in getting the ball to Lewandowski in positions to succeed. And as long as Mexico can cut that supply tactically and man marking, whatever they have to do, um, I didn't really study the Poland national team personally, how they play to, to give them any advice. But as long as they figure that out, I'm sure Tata Martino is studying that. I would hope he's studying that. I, I, I think Mexico can can beat Poland, not even tie, beat Poland and get through this group. And, and remember, Mexico is one of those teams that they'll play Argentina – they are worse than Argentina, but they are one of those teams that will pull a draw. Yeah. Like, they do that. They, so, like you said, they're a team that is never really a contender, but they're definitely a team that you don't want to play at any sort of point in this tournament because they can pull out those results out of nowhere. But, but getting back to Poland for a second, 
I do worry about them because I feel like they're a little bit unbalanced. I think that going forward, they're pretty good. You know, Lewandowski, they have Zielinski of Napoli. They have Zalewski of AS Roma, who's a young guy, a young wing back. So that's someone who, as you were saying, you'd want to cut off giving that supply. And then they also have Milik, who started to play really well for Juventus after he was gone for a while. But then you look at their back line and there's still names that are being brought up like like Camille Glick, who I think is playing at Benevento or something in City B. Um, Bednarek is probably the most well-known Polish defender at the moment as far as their center backs go. And he hasn't even been playing for Aston Villa. He's played just 340 minutes so far this season. So I do worry about them at the back. And Chesney is one of those keepers where like, I don't know about you, Filippo, but I can't make up my mind on whether he's a good keeper or not. Uh, it depends on the day. Exactly. That's the thing. It's just completely inconsistent. He can just, he can make an insane fully stretched save or he can let in an absolute blunder. So I worry about them at the back going forward. I think they'll cause some issues for Mexico. Um, but Mexico, like you said, you look at their qualification campaign and while they did fail against Canada and USA on both occasions when they played both sides, they got it done against the rest of the field, right? They they got those results done against everyone else. So They finished ahead of the United States. They did. They finished in second, same amount of points as Canada. It was just a far inferior goal difference that basically put them in second place. Um, unless head-to-head is a tiebreaker first i don't know what it is in Concacaf, but uh yeah and again with uh mexico there is the 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 part of chemistry and the players know each other we talked about a good part of their roster does play in liga mekis a mm-hmm. good part of it and you do have some quality play we're talking about not they don't have any player at Lewandowski level but i would argue a lot of their other players are around similar level to the best polish players outside of Lewandowski. right when you put chuki lozano edson alvarez Raul Jimenez, if he's healthy, right? He's still questionable for the World Cup. Unfortunately, Tecatito's out. That's confirmed. That's going to be a major blow. But I still think the Mexico side can and should get out of their group. Uh, I think there's a bit... They're definitely... It's definitely... It looks definitely weaker than they've been in the past. But I also think there's a bit of an exaggeration, right? Uh, I think when you look back into 2021... One of the main reasons people, the Mexican fan base is very worried is they have, they played the United States in two finals in 2021 and they lost, but they were better in both finals, right? I mean, if you add the context, us, the United States, by us, I mean myself, right? You're not American, but um, we honestly, Nations League, we got very lucky. We got very lucky. We used set pieces and we were able to score off set pieces. We had that PK on Pulisic, which was, I mean, I guess it was a PK, but it still could have not been called a PK. And then Eton Horvath saving the penalty kick from from Guardado an extra time. So much had to happen for us to win. Um, and then you go to Gold Cup. I mean, Gold Cup was a little weird. Uh, it was, we played our B team and it was, again, set pieces. Both games were played in the United States need to say that the only time i really saw us dominate mexico was in the dosa cero when the 2-0 win in world cup qualifying but i don't think this mexican side is as bad as people think obviously when you look into the past they had better players yeah they did have better players right you, you go back to a few world cups guardado being younger hector herrera younger uh, chicharito was still playing rafa marquez was still around so they had better players ochoa was also younger but I still think this team can go, can pull through. And I think they will. Like you said, you talked about Poland. Um, you talked about um, Zielinski from Napoli. 
mm-hmm. right? And and then you have uh, Zalewski from Roma that doesn't play too much, a young player. Um, th- th- there's not that many guys to supply Lewandowski what what he needs, and that 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 goes back to that argument that many people say that Lewandowski underperforms for Poland. Poland, but I mean he's a center forward. He's a center forward. He he can't play alone. He does need people to actually well midfielders or wingers. There has to be service. There's only so much he can do, right? Somewhat, it, I mean, different setups because England is not a talent problem, but I guess we can argue that Harry Kane doesn't get a service he needs for England despite the talent, but that goes to maybe Gareth Southgate. We talked about that on the other podcast, the other preview. But why don't we, to close things up in this podcast, I don't know if you want to add more about Poland or Mexico. No, I think we covered it. Um, Saudi Arabia too. Uh, I don't think any of us are experts in Saudi Arabia by any means. Uh, we're going more based on the data we have. Uh, Mexico, obviously, I've watched a lot. You've watched enough to know Mexico fairly mm-hmm. well. Poland, we know the main guys in Europe. But Argentina, let's go back to Argentina because uh, they should top this group. There's no doubt. Uh, and then they would cross paths with the France and Denmark group, which this is where, where it gets tricky, right? We have Argentina winning the World Cup, but they could also lose in the round of 16, man. It's a possibility. A real possibility. Absolutely. And I I think if you, if I'm Argentina right now, I think, I almost think I would rather, I know people are going to flip a table at this, but I think I'd rather play France in this moment than I would rather than against Denmark because Denmark has just been unbelievable lately. And you can put it up to, you know, France just sort of figuring things out at the moment and dealing with injuries during the Nations League and what have you. But Denmark finished ahead of them and beat them twice in the UEFA Nations League. Um, and I think that the way that Kasper Hulman has this team playing, it's another one of those teams where it feels like they're almost like a club team with the way that they play, with their unity and their approach and how well they play together. Um, so if I'm Argentina, I'd almost rather play France and this Didier Deschamps team that doesn't really know what they want to be at the moment. Well, and they're going to be missing Pogba and Conte, confirmed. So, yeah, and Conte, as I think you've mentioned before in the past, is pr- arguably one of the biggest losses for that French team in that midfield. That's He was like the heart of that team. Well, he also didn't have an ego problem, nope. right? Like you lose you lose Pogba, you lose, you lose a quality player, but you can also, there might be a blessing to it. Be, not, not the player getting injured, obviously, that's never a blessing. But I'm just saying, when you lose Conte, you only lose. There's yeah. nothing that you gain from it. He's a great guy for the locker room, humble, always with a smile on his face, and a quality player. Now, Pogba, when you lose him, you lose a world-class midfielder, but at the same time, it might make your locker room a bit better. Uh, so, Conte is definitely the biggest loss. Now, you do have to take into consideration that in 2018, Benzema wasn't there, and now he's here. Uh can that be a problem for the locker room for France? Who knows? I guess whoever does the France episode can talk more about them. But I agree with you. I think also it'd be better for Argentina to play France because I can see Argentina wanting some revenge, you know, taking it yeah, you know, taking it personal. They that lost 2018. Yeah. What was lost it? 4-3. Four, 4-3, three. Four, three. yeah. Three. Well, I mean, one of the goals was scored, I think, in like the 90th or like 92nd minute or something like that for Argentina. Um, but still four, three, it was, it was late, late, late. So I think that, and that was an Argentina side that wasn't necessarily in the greatest of shape either, as far as, because like you said, where, where it's not the case with Scaloni, where it's 
not an over-reliance on Lionel Messi. Sampaoli's Argentina absolutely felt like it was just get the ball to Messi and he will save us type of thing. Well, this... Sorry. I was just going to say, this Argentina side that we see right now would not allow four goals against France. Oh, God, no. God, no. And it's a question for Deschamps of can he... Can he organize the attack properly? Because he's going back and forth between a 3-4-1-2 and a 4-3-3, and he can't really get the shape right. So if I'm Argentina, I like that. And then the rest of their path, if you you knock France out, whew, I mean, it, yeah, then, it can... Then I don't know who they would cross with the quarterfinals, but semifinals, it looks like it, it'll be, if everything goes right, it'll be Argentina and Brazil. And it will be one legendary matchup for sure. Oh, <laughs> that, that Honestly... That is probably what every fan is dreaming of right now. Well, we wanted probably a, a Argentina-Brazil final or maybe mm-hmm. a Portugal-Argentina final, even though I don't think Ronaldo is at that level anymore. No. But that Brazil-Argentina semifinal is going to be a blessing from the soccer gods. If it happens, and I hope that it does, because as everybody knows, the best matches are often the semifinals and the finals kind of suck because everyone's playing very hesitant and not wanting to make a mistake. Whereas in the semis, I think that that would be a lovely, lovely treat. And Adrian, do you want me to go through just for our listeners so they know roughly what would be Argentina's starting eleven? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a good idea. But Kate, because I feel like a lot of people don't really follow the South American qualifying. They just know all the European-based players. Yeah, so Argentina mainly, if everyone's healthy, they will go on. And, and the names I'm about to list, consider it a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2, okay? Which essentially the only difference between these two formations is in the 4-2-3-1, the wide midfielders push up higher, they become wingers, and the striker, the second striker, becomes a 10, which would be Messi, right? But it alternates between a 4-2-3-1, a 4-4-2. Emi Martinez, the goalkeeper from Aston Villa, he's their goalkeeper, better than Armani, their goalkeeper from 2018, in my opinion. The left back is probably Acuna, the left back, but I could see maybe Tagliafico playing, but it's likely Acuna from Sevilla, okay? Uh, The right back, that's another one that I'm not sure. It it could be Molina. It could be Montiel. It can even be Foyth. That's back from injury from Villarreal. So Molina plays for Atletico Madrid. Montiel plays for Sevilla. And I think it'll probably be Molina from Atletico Madrid. That'll start the right back. The two center backs are likely going to be Romero from Tottenham and Otamendi from Benfica. And many of you might be asking, what about Martinez from Man United? He's usually a backup um, for Argentina. I what have about Pazella? Backup. Usually Another backup. Too. It's All usually right. Otamendi and Romero, the top two. And Pazella would be the fourth option, actually, because yeah. I've heard that Scaloni is trying a 3-5-2. And then the back three would be Otamendi, Romero, and Lisandro Martinez. So, I only brought him up because I just got him in my uh, Panini sticker album. So I thought I'd give him a shout out. Well, he should be in the roster, the center back from Real Betis. He should be in the roster, but he would be the last option. Probably won't see the field in the World Cup, I'm assuming. The midfield, the double pivot, the two players that defend more, the defensive midfielders that stay there, it's usually Paredes um, and DePaul. Those are the two that usually play there, right? The Paul from Atletico Madrid and Paredes from Juventus. They they're more. I I personally don't understand what um, Scaloni loves Paredes so much, but he starts <laughs> for Argentina usually. I think he's a locked-in starter for them. 
uh, usually wide. We have on one one flank, we'll have Di Maria. The other one, we'll have Lo Celso. But as we talked about, Lo Celso is injured. He's out. And Di Maria, you know, you never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could be injured for months or he could be playing his... He could be the best player on the pitch for Argentina. Who You never know. Yeah, so it would be them. Lo Celso's out. Without Lo Celso, I think Papu Gomez might start wide. Yeah, uh, that's one of my guess. And then you have other options like Anjo Correa could be one, Nico Gonzalez. Um, I, I guess even Messi can go wide if they need, right? Uh, but that's pretty much it for them. And then up top, usually the two strikers are Lautaro Martinez and Messi. And then the backups of each are the players you all probably know. Julian Alvarez is the backup of Martinez, even mm-hmm. though they're very different players. Julian Alvarez will be the backup of Lautaro. And Dybala, if healthy, he is the backup of Messi. Uh, so there's depth there. I think the most interesting thing of Argentina's roster is one or two players aside, the drop-off is not that big, the bench from the starters. And that's very important in the World Cup. It's yeah. not that big of a drop-off. What do you think about my boy Enzo Fernandez getting in there ahead of Rodrigo DePaul? Because he's been in bad form for Atleti. Not going to happen. No? Uh, no, no chance. Uh DePaul is a key player for Scaloni. Yeah. DePaul is going to start. Yeah, also, also, Enzo was not in the entire World Cup qualifying cycle. Enzo Fernandez is literally making this World Cup roster because of how good he's been for Benfica. Yeah, and I mean, he's people forget how young he is. He's still only 21, I believe, Enzo yeah. Fernandez. So he's so, definitely going to be there in the future. Yeah, he's going to be a key player for them in the future. But for this cycle, it's been DePaul and Paredes. I don't see Enzo Fernandez starting. I could see him maybe getting minutes off the bench. But Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that could be a good game to play him because you got to play a low, you got to break a low block mm-hmm. against Saudi Arabia. He's definitely a better player on the ball than DePaul and Paredes, in my opinion, can create more. But I don't. I think he's there mostly because of his Benfica form. It, it kind of just became one of those situations where you can't leave him out. Yeah, but he's not a starter. He, dude, I don't want to. I don't want people to call me on it. Could you imagine? I say he's not going to be a starter. Then Scaloni goes and he starts Enzo Fernandez. <laughs> just a show. I don't think he'll be a starter. I don't think he'll even get minutes. To be quite honest, no. It's that's something that we all need to remember for every single team that just because a player has done well in the last three months, it's very difficult for managers who have their team set for the last year or so, who already know how to play with each other. It would be, it would take a lot for them to sort of get rid of some of those players um, for this biggest stage, the World Cup, which they've been working towards. Yeah. And again, just to wrap things up with Argentina, with the episode overall, right? I think yep. the main thing with Argentina is, they in past teams from Argentina, they had maybe a bit more individual talent. I think if you look on paper, some of the ones in this the past two decades might have had more talent, but they didn't look like a unit, like a team. This one really looks like a team. This one also has a much better defense than Argentina has had the past 20 years in terms of personnel and in terms of organization and goalkeeper. Right, I think Martinez is a better goalkeeper than Romero was. He's a better goalkeeper than Pato Abodanzieri was. So, better defense than the past editions. Not relying on Messi. Strong foundation. They know how they have to play. They know how to play without the ball. They understand their role. And the coach seems to have this group under control. Right, you go back to 2010. Did Maradona ever seem to have that team under control? No. No. <laughs> 
No. So this team actually seems to have leadership. Um, Sampaoli, it just didn't work with him for Argentina. I think sometimes he's a bit too explosive also. That might not work with them. I mean, you uh, could argue that he didn't have that team under control either. Like, remember how hectic it was for them to even get out of their group? Like that match against Nigeria, which I think was one of the deciding matches for them to get out of that group. 3-0 to Croatia, remember? Yeah, yeah. They There was very little control in that team as well. It, it, Argentina's been chaotic. You know, 2014, they did make the final, of course, and that was that good. Was prime Messi. But it was prime Messi, exactly. Like, and prime Di Maria. Exactly. A very, very good team. Even Higuain at that time was scoring a lot of goals, unfortunately missing in the final as well. Um, But there's been chaos in 2010 and 2018. And in 2022, they seem settled. Yeah. And and I like that you mentioned this before we go. The 20, look at this, the 2018 World Cup, Argentina tied Iceland Mm 1-1. They lost to Croatia 3-0. They beat Nigeria 2-1 scoring a late goal by Rojo at the 86th minute. And then they lost to France 4-3. So Argentina in that World Cup, they allowed one, two, five, nine goals allowed in the World Cup. Nine goals. In World Cup, look look at what you just said. In the past 35 matches, they have only allowed 17. Yeah. And now they allowed more than half in those four games. They have a better defense. Defense wins trophies. Defense is key in knockout Mm -hmm. rounds. And they have that now. And they have more than enough talent to get goals. So Argentina are a real or is. Well, Argentina, I guess it's plural as I'm talking about a group in a country. They are legit contenders. They are. And that is a perfect place to leave this episode, wouldn't you say? I agree with you. We've been talking for it for 30 minutes. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to drop a review. And don't forget to check out our other group previews. We're doing all of them. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, and bye-bye.